three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Friday, August 31st. And uh, man, it was a brutal week of school. I, uh, <laughs> oh, I made it through. But it was a oh, it was a brutal week. Um, I'm so excited. We have so much college football this weekend. I'm just so much football in general. I'm so happy it's football season. Um, and I'm really proud. I have a great show today. I can't wait to share with you guys. And I, I just want to jump in. I want to I start with the biggest story of the day, probably of the week. Um, Aaron Donald signed a contract extension with the LA Rams. Aaron Donald signed a six-year deal worth $135 million. At $22.5 million a year, $87 million guaranteed. It's the richest contract in NFL history for a defensive player. And I'm of two minds about this. First off, my first thought is I would not pay this much to a defensive player. This is more than I would have paid Aaron Donald. Mind you, again, Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle in the entire NFL. So I'm going to tell you first my, my principle, why I don't pay defensive players as much, especially not defensive tackle. But then I want to tell you why I'm okay with the fact that the LA Rams broke my rule. The LA Rams did what I would not have done, and yet I still support that, which is weird, but it's interesting and I got a good take on I, I got a take I like. So I want to first say the NFL salary cap is $177.2 million. <clears throat> 22.5 divided by 177.2 tells us that Aaron Donald will make 12.7% of the Rams salary cap. 12.7% of the Rams salary cap eventually is going to go to Aaron Donald. That's too much. That's too much for me. Aaron Donald is not a quarterback. He's not a wide receiver. Remember, the new NFL rules came out, which tells us that offensive players are more valuable. Now, the catch rule and the helmet rule I mean, the defensive player's value is going down. Offensive player's value is going up. So I would not have paid this much for Aaron Donald. And if you remember, defensive players, especially defensive tackles, they're not that valuable. 2013 through 2016 were J.J. Watt's most dominant years in the NFL. In 2013, J.J. Watt was the NFL defensive player of the year. His team went 2-14. and 14. His coach was fired. In 2015, again, J.J. Watt was the defensive player of the year. Yeah, his team was 9-7. and seven. His defense was 30th in the NFL. They were, third, they were almost the, last, the worst defense in the NFL. In 2016, again, he won defensive player of the year. J.J. Watt was dominating. His team, however, went 9-7. and seven. They had the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL. They were last in total defense in the NFL. What that tells us is, Defensive players, especially defensive tackles, do not have a great impact on winning games. They don't even have enough impact on how good your defense does because he was player of the year and they were the last ranked defense in the NFL. Quarterbacks, that is who has an impact on winning. Quarterbacks. I'll pay a quarterback 11, 12% of my salary cap because that really matters. You can't win without Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. But I don't like paying a defensive tackle that much. The Rams did. Right, wrong, or indifferent, the Rams overpaid their defensive tackle, Aaron Donald. 
And he deserved a raise. I'll say this. I agree that Aaron Donald deserved a raise. He was only making like six point something million dollars. He deserved a raise, but he did not deserve $22.5 million a year. That's overpaying Aaron Donald. Now, all that being said, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the fact that the Rams overpaid for Aaron Donald. You want to know why? The Rams are trying to win a Super Bowl. The Rams are doing everything they can to win a Super Bowl. Because the fear is the Rams don't want to look back after the 2018 season. They don't, want to, they don't want the year to come to an end and then look back and wonder, hmm, we didn't win the Super Bowl this year. Could we have done more? Could we, could we have done more to win the Super Bowl? My dream, my, my goal is to do strong opinion sports for a living, to make this my full-time job. That's my dream, my passion. It's, it's what I want to do. And I put everything I can into doing strong opinion sports Monday, Wednesday, Friday, about an hour-long show, three days a week. I put my heart and soul into this show. I do everything I can. I'm a full-time student, and yet I still do this. There's a party happening right now. Right now, it's Friday night at my friend's house. There's a party happening that I would love to be at. It, sounds, it sounded like a, a fun night. There's a cute girl that I know there, some good drinks. But again, I, I want strong opinion sports to be my job. It's my favorite thing in the world. I want to do this as much as I can. When I look back on college later, when I graduate in two years, I want to look back and I want to look back and say, I did everything I possibly could to build strong opinion sports. This is my favorite thing. And part of doing this means sacrificing other places. But again, I don't want to look back and think, man, could I have done more? Could I have done more for strong opinion sports? I, I'm telling you, I'll never feel that way because I'm putting everything I can into this. The Rams gave Aaron Donald the contract he wanted so that they could get him onto the field. The Rams are doing everything they can to win a Super Bowl. Now, there are some interesting wrinkles in the way this deal has been constructed. Aaron Donald's salary cap for the 2018 season only goes up by $2 million. That's huge. His, his, his hit against the salary cap barely goes up at all this year, and that's great. See, the extension for Aaron Donald doesn't kick in until 2019. This year is 2018. Next year, 2019, is when Aaron Donald's new contract really kicks in and changes the salary cap. The Raiders have a ton of talented players right now. Their roster is unbelievably talented. Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, great quarterback, Aaron Donald, all kinds of guys everywhere. And Dominican Sue right now. Guess what? Clearly, in the future, they're not going to be able to have as many talented players. And Dominican Sue's not sticking around unless he wants to get paid a million dollars a year, take basically nothing, play for free. Because remember, the Rams just paid Brandon Cooks. They played Todd Gurley. They paid Todd Gurley. They've now paid Aaron Donald, and in the future, they're going to have to pay Jared Goff, a, their quarterback, to a massive deal. Yeah, the size of Aaron Donald's contract that he signed today hurts the future of the Rams roster. But who cares? Who, who cares? Because right now, nobody, the Rams are not worried about 2023. They're not worried about 2022's roster. Right now, the Rams are doing everything they can to win a Super Bowl. But Aaron Donald is not a quarterback. He's, he's not going to win. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have the same impact on a game that a quarterback would. 
But if you're chasing a Super Bowl, having the best defensive tackle in the entire NFL playing on your team, that can't hurt. It certainly can't hurt anything. Again, the Rams' mission is to win a Super Bowl this year, 2018, right now. They are going for it. And that's why I don't mind the Rams overpaying for Aaron Donald. They had to keep him happy. They had to get the guy on the field. Say say whatever you need to to get him to play because you don't want to look back. Look, I get it. When the 2018 season is over for the Rams, they do not want to look back and say, man, could we have done more? When the season ends, the Rams want to be able to say, we did everything we possibly could to win a Super Bowl. All right, we have a great show today. I'm so excited. I'm going to talk about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield started uh, versus the Lions, against the Lions in the preseason. That was last night. I watched it. I have a lot of things to say about it. Um, I also want to evaluate how Aaron Donald signing his new contract will affect the Khalil Mack holdout situation in Oakland. Um, and I asked, I was asked a really good question in, on YouTube in the comments. This guy said, if Teddy Bridgewater, the question was, will Teddy Bridgewater stay if Drew Brees doesn't retire after this year? I've got some interesting thoughts about that. We're going to talk about Carmelo Anthony. I'm going to talk about Tom Brady hanging up on a radio interview. Everybody's touched this story so far. And I, I was like, I'm not going to talk about this. I have nothing interesting else to add to it. I mean, look, every media outlet in the world has talked about Tom Brady hanging up. But I finally have an interesting angle that's a little bit different. We'll talk about that down the road. Uh, Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. Let's jump into things. All right, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield started for the Cleveland Browns in their preseason game, their preseason finale against the Detroit Lions. Look, he did well. I watched the entire game. Baker Mayfield was awesome. And by the way, it was really cool. I watched the game. I love seeing Nate Orchard, the defensive end, uh, get a pick six. He probably kept his job. He's been a star of hard knocks. That was cool. But Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was 9 for 16. He had 138 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown, but also didn't throw an interception. But he moved the ball really well against the Lions. Baker Mayfield moved the ball, set up scoring drives. It was great. You know what Baker Mayfield looked like last night? As I was watching the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns, you know what I thought? Baker Mayfield looks like a number one pick. Baker Mayfield looks like a quarterback you would draft with a number one overall pick. Tony Stewart is a three-time NASCAR champion. He's probably the only NASCAR driver I even know exists. And in Portland, this is how I'm going to compare this to Baker Mayfield. In Portland, where I'm from, there's a a raceway called the Portland International Raceway. It's a a track. It's a racetrack. And a couple of my friends' dads work on their own cars. They have little Corollas and um, uh, Honda Civics in their backyard. They, They soup them up and they race them at the track. But they're a bunch of amateur racers. They're not professional race car drivers. If Tony Stewart, the NASCAR driver, showed up and won a race against my friend's dads, how would you react? You would say, yeah, yep, that's what's supposed to happen. He's a NASCAR driver. He should beat Tony's dad and Anthony's dad in a race at Portland International Raceway. Because he's a NASCAR driver. You expect that. You expect that. 
Baker Mayfield played really well against the Lions. Yep. Yes, he did. He's a number one pick. He's playing against a bunch of guys who literally will be out of the league in a week. Baker Mayfield did well, but don't overreact. Don't get too excited. He's not the guy ready to start. He did what he was supposed to. He looked poised. He looked comfortable. He looked like he had a really good arm strength. I'm, I'm confident in Baker Mayfield. But last night, the preseason finale against the Detroit Lions, that does not mean that Baker Mayfield should start. No. Again, a NASCAR driver should beat a bunch of amateur racers in a race. If you watch that race, if you watch my friend's dad's lose to a NASCAR driver and your thought is, hmm, he's the best racer in the world. You're, you're a little, like, of course, I don't know, like, you're a little out there because that's the expectation. He's supposed to win. What Baker Mayfield did last night, here's the one thing Baker Mayfield did that I think has got some weight. Because, look, we expected him to do well in the preseason. You're, that's the expectation. Here's what he did do. This is what Baker Mayfield solidified to me last night. Baker Mayfield proved to everybody you should not doubt him because of his height. Can we end that? Stop. Stop saying his arm strength isn't great. Stop saying he's, he's too small. He's not trunky and thick. Shut up. He's, he's big enough. He's fine. There's no reason to doubt Baker Mayfield because of his size. We've seen he can play at a high level. Baker Mayfield has every reason to be a great starting quarterback in the NFL at some point. I just hope the Browns are patient. I hope the Browns don't overreact to his success versus the Lions. And they just they allow Baker Mayfield to continue to grow behind Tyrod Taylor. Here's the one takeaway. The one thing that I really, really love. This, this was my favorite thing watching Baker Mayfield. I was not excited by the throws that Baker Mayfield made last night. I was excited by the throws Baker Mayfield didn't make last night. He made great decisions. There were times where there's nothing there. He would throw the ball away. He would throw the ball into the stands. That takes poise, maturity, and good decision-making. It's when you're running around, you're you're all amped up. Oh, I can fit it in there. No, Baker Mayfield didn't try to do that. He did the right thing. He did the adult thing, the mature thing. He never forced the ball into places where it shouldn't go. (laughs) Uh, Baker Mayfield made great decisions. Baker Mayfield looked poised. Baker Mayfield looked like a number one overall pick against the Detroit Lions in the Browns preseason finale. So defensive tackle Aaron Donald signed a huge contract extension with the LA Rams. Remember, it's a six-year deal, $135 million, $87 million guaranteed, $22.5 million a year. It's the richest contract for a defensive player in NFL history. Now, what that does is that sets the market now for Khalil Mack, a defensive end for the Raiders, who's also holding out and waiting for a new contract. See, the Rams signed Aaron Donald, and I I, I said that's too much. I'm not going to pay him that much, but at least it made sense. Remember, the Rams are trying to reach a Super Bowl. They're doing everything they can to win a Super Bowl. It made sense to pay Aaron Donald. The Raiders? The Raiders have no reason to sign Khalil Mack. None. They should not sign Khalil Mack for as much money as Aaron Donald is signed for by the Rams. Remember, the Rams are just trying to get Aaron Donald on the field. The the Raiders are in a very different situation. I would not give Khalil Mack 12% of my salary cap, no matter how good he is. He's not a quarterback. 
he doesn't single-handedly win games. J.J. Watt, again, I'll repeat myself, three-time defensive player of the year. In those three seasons, his team went 2-14. His coach was fired. 9-7, 30th ranked defense in the NFL. And again, defensive player of the year, 2016. Team went 9-7. J.J. Watt's team was the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL. They were the worst defense in the NFL. Look, I believe Khalil Mack is going to continue to hold out. Remember, Khalil Mack's agent successfully helped Chris Johnson hold out from the Tennessee Titans. Chris Johnson held out, and he was rewarded by getting a $54 million contract. So Aaron Donald, er, excuse me, Khalil Mack's agent says, I've done this in the past. Follow me. And Aaron Donald, when he signed with the Rams today, he set the expectation for Khalil Mack. And I don't think the Raiders are going to give in. The Raiders are not going to give Khalil Mack $22.5 million. I don't buy it. This is Khalil Mack versus John Gruden's ego. I don't know. First of all, Khalil Mack and John Gruden have never worked together. They've never been on the same football field together, so they don't really know. John Gruden is not aware, other than watching film, how valuable Khalil Mack is to the Raiders. He's He's never worked with them in a locker room before. And John Gruden has done this before. John Gruden does not give in to players who hold out. He has a history of it. Now, it was interesting. Khalil Mack tweeted today. He said, I miss football. And the Raiders quarterback replied to that tweet saying, yeah, man, I miss you. But I think it's interesting. Right now, the Raiders miss Khalil Mack. But that attitude is slowly going to shift. See, as Khalil Mack continues to hold out, if he misses the first two games of the year and the Raiders go 0-2, if the Raiders start 0-2 and they don't have Khalil Mack, that sadness, that, oh, we miss you, that, that attitude's going to change from we miss you to why aren't you here, dude? It will get, they will get annoyed. The Raiders will become frustrated with Khalil Mack. They'll be like, come back. We need your help, man. Stop being selfish. Eventually, the attitude of the Raiders is going to shift in the locker room. And it's interesting, Raiders fans keep telling me, Khalil Mack loves the Raiders. He's such a fan of the Raiders. He wants to be with the Raiders. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's like when a girl says, I love you. You're the the best guy I've ever met. But we just, we can't be together. It doesn't add up. Your actions don't add up with the words you're saying. If Khalil Mack wanted to play for the Raiders, he would. He could. But Khalil Mack cares more about getting paid than he does about playing for the Raiders. Nothing wrong with that, but stop telling me he loves the Raiders. Stop telling me he wants to be at the Raiders so badly. Remember, Julio Jones wanted a raise this offseason. He got a raise. He signed a team-friendly deal. He got a little more money, but he, he's not the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL because he wanted to stay with his team. He, he's, Julio Jones signed a team-friendly deal to stay with the Falcons. Why doesn't Khalil Mack just do the same thing? Because he cares more about money. Here's what I would do if I was the Raiders. If I was the Raiders, I would trade Khalil Mack. I'd try and see if I can get the Lions to shell out a 2019 first-round pick and a 2019 second-round pick. If you can get a first and second-round pick for Khalil Mack, pull the trigger, do it at heartbeat. You can get two players for the price of one. That's great. It would, that, that trade would benefit the Lions. The Lions have an awful, horrible defensive line. They need help on the defensive line. They're so unphysical. They're so bad. It's embarrassing. And the Lions have a good secondary. So they would, it'd be a mutual benefit right there. It would also benefit the Raiders to trade 
Khalil Mack to a team like the Packers or the Lions, a team that's not in the AFC. Trade Khalil Mack to the NFC North. Get him away from your team. You'll never have to play him until the Super Bowl. That's what I would do if I was a Pack, if I was a Raiders. I would trade away Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is so valuable right now. And the Raiders own his rights. Ship him off. Get a lot of players in return. Because Khalil Mack single-handedly is not going to fix the Raiders. He makes them better. But you need a lot of players to fix your defense. It's not a one-man effort on defense. It's not even like offense where at least one player, the quarterback, can significantly elevate everybody around him. Khalil Mack doesn't have that effect on an offense because he's on the defensive side of the ball. D-linemen don't win games. Regardless. Sorry, it's true. Maybe once back in the day, but not anymore. I don't don't know. Raiders are going to need a couple of players. I would leverage Khalil Mack. I'd say, look, we have your rights. We're going to trade you away and get as many players as we possibly can for him. The Raiders should use their biggest asset, Khalil Mack, and trade him away. Get a couple players, build your defense, and improve your roster. That's what I would do if I was the Raiders. Do not pay him $22.5 million. He's not a quarterback. You have no shot at the Super Bowl this year. You're not, the, you're not in the Rams position. You shouldn't give Khalil Mack 12% of your salary cap. No way. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I would not pay Khalil Mack what I paid, what the Rams paid Aaron Donald. I would not do it. All right, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater was traded from the New York Jets to the New Orleans Saints. The problem is (laughs) the Saints already have a quarterback. The Saints have Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees. And if you remember, Teddy Bridgewater only has one year left on his deal, which means he might leave in free agency. The question came up. A guy asked me on YouTube, would Teddy Bridgewater re-sign with the New Orleans Saints if Drew Brees does not retire after this season. Now, first of all, that depends on so many things. But before we get into all those reasons, I want to share this. Teddy Bridgewater said he loved the fact that he was traded to the Saints. He was excited to go to the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater said he used to study the Saints offense while he was in college at Louisville. He has been a fan of the Saints offense since he was in college. He said he's happy to learn behind Drew Brees. And that made me think of this. Growing up, every day, every day as a kid, I listened to Colin Cowherd. In my opinion, Colin Cowherd is the best sports radio host ever. Ever. He's the Michael Jordan of broadcasting. I I don't really listen to Colin Cowherd anymore. I'm sorry I'm too busy. I have four jobs. I'm a little bit busy doing my own show. I have 16 credits in college. But on long road trips, you can... You can guarantee, you can bet your sweet ass, I listen to Colin Coward. I listen to like a whole week of Colin Coward on my way home, my six-hour drive from college. It's no secret, I love Colin Cowherd's style. I think Dan Patrick's boring. I don't like Jim Rome. I'm not, the, Colin Coward's the guy. And if I was given the opportunity to work under Colin Cowherd, if I had a chance to even possibly replace Colin Coward down the road, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Even if that meant, hey, Zach, you can't do your show. You can't host a radio show for the time you're working for Colin Cowherd. You can't do that. Heartbeat. I'm taking it. I'm doing it. I'm gone. If you can learn from the best, maybe replace him. Yeah, I would take that. Of course I would take that. That's how Teddy Bridgewater feels. 
I think Teddy Bridgewater wants to stay New Orleans long-term. I really do. Now, there are some other factors, though, that kind of work into this. It's curious. Does How well is Drew Brees going to play this year? We think he's going to play really well. What if he just drops off a cliff? Then it's more obvious. Yeah, commit to Teddy Bridgewater. Is it possible Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees are going to play at similar levels in practice? We don't know. But it, let's, let's say he plays fantastic eventually, a year from now, two years from now. The New Orleans Saints are going to have to make a really tough decision. A decision that the Patriots were not willing to make. Remember, the Patriots had 40-year-old quarterback Tom Brady, and they traded away their backup plan, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo got a massive contract with the 49ers. He's the real deal. Looks like a starting quarterback. If you remember, the Packers once moved away from Brett Favre and committed to Aaron Rodgers. They weren't afraid like the Patriots were. The Packers were not afraid to move on to the next step. The Colts at one point moved on from Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning. They committed to Andrew Luck. I believe the Saints, I believe the Saints view Teddy Bridgewater as their next step. And I think Teddy Bridgewater views himself as the the next guy in New Orleans, the guy that will replace Drew Brees. But in the meantime, there's no rush. I believe Teddy Bridgewater will stay with New Orleans, even if Drew Brees doesn't retire. He wants to be there. He wants to learn from the best and eventually, hopefully, replace the best. That is why Teddy Bridgewater will re-sign with the New Orleans Saints next offseason. I'm, I'm sure of it. I just Unless a team like the Jaguars that could win a Super Bowl gives Teddy Bridgewater a bunch of money, He's happy to be there in New Orleans. He loves the offense. He loves the coach. And he can learn from the best and maybe even eventually replace the best. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to find the way in on the Tom Brady hanging up on a radio interview. I I haven't talked about it. I felt like, you know, I don't have a good angle. I, I do finally have a good angle. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's really interesting. It's a little bit different. I'm going to share my thoughts on that. I have a really heartfelt um piece of work. I want to give advice to Carmelo Anthony. I want to tell Carmelo Anthony, I want to share some wisdom I learned at one point. I know I'm a dumb kid, but I, I, believe it or not, made a ton of mistakes in my life. I learned from something. I want to help Carmelo Anthony. I'm going to talk about a little bit of NBA news. And at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about who the NFL rookie of the year will be, in my opinion. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like strong opinion sports as much as I do, help me grow this show by telling your friends about it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. uh, I'm excited for this one. This is one that I have been really just pondering and thinking about for a long time. I haven't shared my thoughts on this story at all, and I'm really, really excited for it. So in 2016, in 2016, Cam Newton lost the Super Bowl. And I can only imagine, I can only imagine how much that would hurt. I'd be incredibly disappointed. If I lost the Super Bowl, oh man, I would be a wreck. But after the game, after losing the Super Bowl, Cam Newton got up and walked out of his post-game interview. He answered a few questions, really kind of, he was clearly annoyed, clearly agitated. And then at one point he just got up and left. Like I get why he did that. I understand it. Cam Newton was in pain. Cam Newton was hurting. But you can't, you can't do that. You can't do what he just did in that clip. 
Cam Newton lost his composure. He immaturely walked out. You, you can't handle things that way. If you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, you can't do that. That's really concerning that your starting quarterback handles a situation that way. Because when the moment gets tough, you want a guy who handles those tough situations with grace. You want a guy who owns their mistakes, owns their failures. You face them head on. Cam in that interview, at that podium, Cam Newton did not face his failures. He got emotional. He got frustrated. He just bailed. He left. Now, the other day, Tom Brady hung up on a local radio show, a local radio interview. And nobody in the media really did this, but a lot of people online, Twitter, Instagram, social media, YouTube comments, everybody pointed to this. People said, well, remember when Cam Newton got out of an interview and left? Clearly, if Cam Newton is immature, so is Tom Brady for hanging up on this interview. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to show you. Here's what happened in that Tom Brady interview. Listen to the clip. And so I saw, we saw the reports this weekend that, uh, that Alex was on the team plane, which he wasn't for the second half of last year, I guess, and not on the sideline. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, yeah, he was with, he was with me this last week, so it was yeah. So what what so what 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 changed in him not being on the team plane last year and this year was that was that just communication back and forth or was that an understanding of other things? What what led to that uh, being able to happen this year? You know, I don't want to. I'm not getting into all that. Okay, yeah. I mean, when I ran into him at the uh, when I ran into him at the Super Bowl last year in Minneapolis, I remember talking to you about it at the time when we when I talked to him there. He had said in his opinion that, that all this stuff had been overblown, that he and Belichick actually had a pretty good relationship even then. Would you say that was true? I said I don't want to get into it. Okay. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows it's well documented how, you know, the work that he and I do together. No, I know. I No, no. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm just trying to figure out because I saw the reports this weekend that he's traveling with the team. Was he on the sideline on Friday? Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. So now that you've heard and seen what happened in that Tom Brady interview, you know, you you probably know if you watch that or listen to that, you know that Cam Newton walking away from the podium after losing the Super Bowl is not the same thing as what Tom Brady did hanging up the phone on those radio hosts. The only similarity between those two instances, between Cam Newton losing the Super Bowl and walking away from the podium angry... And Tom Brady hanging up the phone on a radio interview. The only similarity, the only thing that's consistently the same is the fact that in both situations, the athlete ended the interview. Tom Brady's on a local radio show doing an interview. He's with WEEI on a show called Kirk and Callahan. Tom Brady is stooping down. Tom Brady is way, way out of a local radio show's league. He has no reason to be doing local radio. Clearly the show, the the radio hosts, did not know their place. If you're in local radio, you have to know your place. You're not on your own. And even even if I was, I'm on my own, I have no one to answer to. If I have Tom Brady on my show and he's uncomfortable, I'm not going to push him. I'm lucky to have him on my show. Tom Brady politely said, I don't want to talk about this. And they did not respect his privacy. Now that's all, a lot of that's things people have already said. But Cam Newton walking away from the podium, that was immaturity. Tom Brady hanging up the phone, that was actually an example of maturity. 
Tom Brady's mature. Cam Newton's immature. You don't want to give a local radio show a quote. Not about a contentious issue like the Alex Guerrero incident, the whole on the plane, off the plane, all this weird TB12 stuff. You don't want to give the media any quote about that. Not, not if you're the Patriots quarterback. And the radio host did not respect Tom Brady's privacy. All that he could do in that situation was hang up. What's he going to listen to like five more questions awkwardly? He's in a situation he doesn't want to be in. He shouldn't be in the situation. He's being forced into something. He should leave. Look, I understand. The, the radio host had to ask the first question. The first question, you have to do that. It's on everybody's mind. Any, any radio, I would even ask the first question. But the second question, the third question, that's just them not knowing their place. Don't push the issue. If you date a girl way out of your league, you have to know your place. If you, if you date a girl way out of your league, she's 10 out of 10, you're like a five, she gets her way. She, she watches the movie she wants that night. We go where she wants to go to dinner. The guys from WEEI just did not know their place. That was not Tom Brady getting emotional after a loss. He didn't storm off. He, didn't, he wasn't willing to own one of his failures. He wasn't being immature. Tom Brady was making a calculated decision. What if, I want to ask you a question. What if Cam Newton hadn't stormed off? What if Cam Newton owned his feelings after the Super Bowl? There's a legendary clip of Tom Brady talking about him getting selected in the sixth round of the NFL draft. It's a a clip of Tom Brady crying. Because nobody believed in Tom Brady when he was coming into the NFL. And he owned how he felt about it. He listened to this. Watch this clip of Tom Brady crying. It was hard. I remember taking a walk with my dad and mom around the block. It was just a tough day, you know. I just remember being there with my mom and dad. Sorry about that. You know, they just were so supportive of me. And, uh, and they take it as emotional as I do. And, uh, you know, finally when the Patriots called, I was so excited. You know, I was like, <laughs> I don't have to be an insurance salesman, you know. So uh, my family was there. We were all excited. And, and thank God I got, I got picked here. So I, uh, I recently criticized Cam Newton for saying weird cryptic stuff about his former teammate, Kelvin Benjamin. Because Cam Newton wasn't authentic. He didn't actually own his feelings. He was indirect. I, what I wished Kelvin, Cam Newton had done about Kelvin Benjamin, Cam Newton should have just said, Kelvin Benjamin hurt my feelings. We were friends. And he rejected me. He walked away and he changed me. That hurt. If Cam Newton had cried after the Super Bowl, he would have had everybody's sympathy. You ever thought about that? There's a legendary pick of... There's a legendary video of Tom Brady crying. It could have been Cam Newton. It could have been, the narrative would have been this. Wow, look at how much Cam Newton cares. He cares so much, he lost the Super Bowl and he's crying. That's impactful. I remember a guy for Duke last year. There was a Duke basketball player who lost in the NCAA tournament. He was crying and I was like, I love that. That's raw, that's real, that's authentic, that's awesome. Instead of getting a clip of Cam Newton crying after the Super Bowl, showing everybody how much he cares, what we got was an angry move where Cam Newton never got to the root of his anger. He never owned that he was sad about losing the Super Bowl. He just got mad. He stormed off and got emotional. 
Tom Brady's more mature than Cam Newton. Tom Brady hanging up the phone in that radio interview was an example of him understanding the situation, refusing to stir up drama with a bad quote on local radio. Tom Brady hanging up on that radio host was the mature, right way to handle the situation. All right. I want to shift gears. Let's talk about the NBA. I haven't talked about the NBA in like four shows. It's been so much football all the time. Um, So this offseason, Carmelo Anthony signed a deal with the Houston Rockets. And first of all, you know, growing up, I, I grew up in the 2000s. Carmelo Anthony was one of the most popular NBA players in the 2000s. In my opinion, Carmelo Anthony's a Hall of Famer. He's an NBA Hall of Famer. He's a great basketball player. But I have never been a very big fan of Carmelo Anthony. Because I've always felt like Carmelo Anthony never saw the bigger picture. This is a guy who, remember, Carmelo Anthony supposedly cheated on his wife. Supposedly, supposedly, I don't know. Supposedly, he cheated on his wife. And then I remember Carmelo Anthony demanded to be traded to the Knicks from the Denver Nuggets. Instead of waiting a couple months for the offseason so we could sign as a free agent, he demanded to be traded immediately, which meant that his, his new team, the Knicks, had to give up pieces that could have helped Carmelo Anthony. Just a total lack of vision. Carmelo Anthony appears to hurt himself consistently because he never had the foresight. He never could see how his decisions were going to affect him in the future. There's drama now. There's a couple of questions around Carmelo Anthony. Many people are speculating, is Carmelo Anthony going to be okay if he gets benched this year for the Rockets? Is he going to be willing to come off the bench and be a backup, a sixth man for the Rockets? Remember on his old team, Carmelo Anthony was unwilling to come off the bench. And they got rid of him. They booted him out of Oklahoma City. I want to give Carmelo Anthony advice. Don't miss out on something good because you're unwilling to change roles. You know, I, uh, I get a lot of comments. I get a lot of comments from people saying, you know, Psh, you're not an athlete. What have you done in sports? You don't know anything. I, I was an athlete. I, I played college football. Played college football for a year. And it's an ache that I don't play college football anymore. It's an ache to me. It, it's something I screwed up. I chose a smaller school when I graduated because I wanted to play immediately. And then the school I went to brought in a transfer. And to this day, to this day, I believe I'm a better quarterback than that guy. It uh, irritates me. But I don't even know if that's why I didn't start. I was a skinny, tiny freshman. I would have gotten beat to hell. The guy they chose did get beat to hell. He got sacked like every play. Our team went 0-11. We didn't win a game. He threw bad interceptions. It was a messy year. It was a horrible year. It would, have been, it would have been bad for me if I'd started that year. But I never saw the bigger picture when I was a freshman in college. I was a freshman in college playing college football, and I just didn't get it. I didn't see the bigger picture. For the first time in my life, I wasn't the starting quarterback, and that made me so angry. still makes me a little bit angry. But I had a bad attitude. I just had a bad, I didn't handle it well. I had a really bad negative attitude about this. And I tell people that I left college football because my brother died. That's not really true. The truth is, I had a bad attitude. I refused to change roles. I refused to be a backup quarterback, and I quit football. My brother didn't kill himself for two more months after I left college. My brother did die. It sucked. 
but I left college because I quit. I was not willing to change roles. I still throw the ball incredibly well. I look into my mirror. I, I hold the football. I pretend to, I, I go through the motions of throwing. I work on little footwork in my room. But I don't play college football anymore. I don't. I missed out on that. I missed out on something really cool because I was not willing to have a good attitude. And I wasn't willing to accept the new role I was given. I could have been the best backup. I could have helped out. I could have learned. I was voted, you know what's interesting? I was voted on the leadership council as a freshman by my teammates. I was there for like two weeks, voted on the leadership council. It was an honor. And I threw it away because I had a bad attitude about being a backup. I could have just fought for it or I could have had a good attitude, learned a lot, but I just never saw the bigger picture. So I'm, I'm telling you, if the Houston Rockets decide to put Carmelo Anthony on the bench, if the Rockets ask Carmelo Anthony to come off the bench, I really hope he does. Because remember, Carmelo Anthony's on one of the few teams, the Rockets, that could actually win an NBA championship. Probably not. It's probably the Warriors. But there's like four or five teams that maybe could win a championship. One of those teams is the Rockets. And I, I really hope Carmelo Anthony doesn't miss out on that because he has a bad attitude. And man... If Carmelo Anthony does come off the bench, maybe he's sixth man of the year. If that's our final memory of Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony's career comes to such a graceful end as him coming off the bench, playing really well in spots. We have all we remember about Carmelo Anthony is really good positive moments. If that's how he ends his career, there's nothing better. So I, I hope Carmelo Anthony can finally see the bigger picture. And I really hope he doesn't miss out on something really cool. I missed out on college football because I never saw the bigger picture. And I hope, I really hope for Carmelo Anthony's sake, he can adjust and accept a new role if they offer it to him because he would miss out on something really potentially cool with the Rockets. And I hope he doesn't do that. The NBA just changed their rule about shoes. It's interesting to me. Um, I think it's a big deal. It's, it's not being reported as a big deal. I think it really matters. See, at Christmas time, you can wear Christmas colored shoes. There are special events in the NBA. You can wear certain colorways. But now the NBA has lifted their rules. You can wear whatever color shoes, whatever you want every single night in the NBA. This is so, so good for the NBA. It's a big deal that nobody's talking about. Nobody seems to care. Shoe companies are going to make way more money now because of this. And players, shoe deals are going to get better for NBA players because of this. We're going to see more coverage of NBA shoes because of this new rule. Because of the fact that there's no rule in place anymore. I guarantee you, watch any game. The pregame show, what shoes are LeBron wearing? We see a close-up of the Jordans he's wearing. What, what, what shoes are this guy? We see a close-up of his shoes. Close-up, close-up on SportsCenter, on the Instagram. You're going to see videos and pictures of shoes like never before because of the new rule about NBA colorways. The flashier, the better. The more flash you have, the more colorways you have the more people are going to pay attention to your shoes. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, they love that. This NBA rules is a big one. It's, it's one that no one's talking about, and it's going to really, really impact the NBA. But not everybody. Not the guy pouring beer at an NBA game. Not even the teams, really. It's like a tax break. It only really benefits the really, really wealthy, the really, really incredibly good. Guys like Michael, you know, LeBron's going to benefit. And Steph Curry's going to benefit. Kevin Durant's going to benefit. Nike's going to benefit. The guy pouring beer at the basketball game doesn't benefit. But a lot of people in the NBA are going to make a lot more money because of this rule that you can now wear whatever shoe you want 
whatever day you want. You can wear Christmas colored shoes in February. You can wear Christmas colored shoes in October. If you, your team's best color, if you, if you play for the Dallas Mavericks who are blue and black and gray, you can wear pink shoes, pink, yellow, and green. Nobody cares. You can now do whatever you want. And again, that the weird color schemes are going to bring a lot more attention from cameras. We're going to pay attention to NBA shoes like never before because of this rule being changed in the NBA. All right, so Paul George signed with the Oklahoma City Thunder this offseason. And he never, ever visited the L.A. Lakers. The assumption was, everybody assumed, that Paul George was going to sign with the L.A. Lakers this offseason. That didn't happen. In fact, again, he never even met with the Lakers. And that really miffed the Lakers. The Lakers were weirdly shocked. They're like, what? How could you not meet with us? I want to say I support Paul George and his decision to not meet with LA Lakers. Look, I was disappointed. I said it was dumb. I thought I really wanted Paul George to go to Lakers. I wanted the Lakers to compete for championships with Paul George. It stunk. But if he didn't want to go there, he doesn't have to meet with them. See, one of the worst things in the world, there's nothing quite disappointing the same way as when you take a girl out to dinner, you pay for $40 dinner, you, you buy an Uber, you do all this, you put all this money, time, effort in, you take this girl on a sweet date, and at the end of the date, the girl says, yeah, I'm, I'm not really interested in you. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Disappointing. Feels like a waste of time. So I'm, I have no problem with the fact that Paul George didn't go listen to the sales pitch from the LA Lakers. Because why would he? Why would he? He's not going to waste their time. I respect that. I think it's cool. I got to hand it to Paul George. Just like that girl that wasted my time a couple months ago. I'm glad that you didn't waste the Lakers time. That's awesome. I'm really proud of that. All right. Final topic of the day. I want to talk about the NFL Rookie of the Year. So it's been reported recently that Sam Darnold is now the favorite to win Rookie of the Year in the NFL. And the reason why is because he was named the starter, the week one starter for the Jets. Now, I do not think it will be Sam Darnold. I think it's possible. Nothing's impossible. It could be Sam Darnold. But I don't think it's going to be Sam Darnold that wins the NFL Rookie of the Year. I don't think it's going to be a quarterback at all. It's pretty hard for it to be a quarterback. Because remember, rookie quarterbacks are learning. They're developing. They're in this ugly growth period. It's like growing a beard. I say this all the time. I don't have a beard right now. If I were to grow a beard, it would take about two months. And the time between not having a beard and having a fully developed beard is this ugly growth period. That's what rookie quarterbacks are going through. So Sam Darnold is not my favorite to win the NFL Rookie of the Year. There are five players I think that could, and I have them much higher and much more likely to win the NFL Rookie of the Year than Sam Darnold. The, one of the players I think could win the NFL Rookie of the Year is Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb is a defensive end for the Denver Broncos. Now, he has the benefit of playing with Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller is one of the top three N, uh, defensive linemen in the entire NFL. And it's interesting. I don't know how you're going to block both of them at the same time because you can't double-team both. If you're going to double-team Vaughn Miller, you're leaving Bradley Chubb one-on-one, and Bradley Chubb is going to take advantage of that. The two are going to, Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb are going to play off each other, and Bradley Chubb is going to be incredibly successful because of the fact he does indeed play with Vaughn Miller. Another player that I think could win the NFL Rookie of the Year is Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is a wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, a rookie out of Alabama. It's very simple why Calvin Ridley could win the NFL Rookie of the Year. He plays on, A, an incredible offense, has a great quarterback, but he has great pieces around him. 
He plays with Julio Jones, who might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. I, I prefer Julio Jones over Odell Beckham Jr. Because I'm weird. I like that. Probably Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, OBJ. But teams are going to double-team Julio Jones. And then they're going to put another linebacker in the box to stop Devontae Freeman, the running back. And then they got to guard Muhammad Sanu. And who's left after all the dust settles? You're going to see Calvin Ridley, the rookie wide receiver for the Falcons, in great matchups all year. One-on-ones with guys that have no business guarding him. Linebackers who are outmatched physically. Or a third-string corner who is a nickel corner and probably shouldn't be there. Calvin Ridley is going to take advantage of mismatches all year long, and I think he could win the Rookie of the Year. Another player that could win the Rookie of the Year is Giants running back Saquon Barkley. It's obvious for this one. He's incredibly talented. He's going to start week one. He's ready to play. He can run. He can catch. He's going to put up a ton of big numbers. It's probably going to be, it could be Saquon Barkley. It's often a running back who wins the NFL Rookie of the Year. Because it's a play, it takes, you just, you're physically ready to go, you jump in, you learn the offense, you start week one. So another running back that could win rookie of the year is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the running back out of Georgia, plays for the Browns. Now he's going to play a lot for the Browns. Remember the other running back they have, Carlos Hyde, has a fumbling issue. He's talented. Nick Chubb could win rookie of the year for the Browns. Now my dark horse, the guy that I haven't seen on anybody's list that could win NFL rookie of the year is Sony Michelle the running back for the New England Patriots. First-round running back actually was drafted higher than Nick Chubb, his his partner in crime at Georgia. He's the Patriots' new starting running back, Sonny Michel. He can run, but he can catch. He's great coming out of the backfield, similar to what Alvin Kamara was last year. Basically, the point of this is, it's probably going to be a running back that wins the NFL Rookie of the Year. It's probably not going to be a quarterback because they're all still learning. And if... Josh Rosen comes in week 10 and is fantastic. He's only going to get six games to earn that award. It's not going to happen. But the guys who are going to win rookie of the year are guys who make a huge impact immediately in week one. So my two favorites to win NFL rookie of the year are Calvin Ridley or Bradley Chubb. One of those two is going to win rookie of the year. That's my opinion, personally. I love Calvin Ridley. He's going to take advantage of mismatches. And Bradley Chubb plays with Vaughn Miller. So he's going to have... Again, also probably deal with mismatches all the time because they're going to double-team Von Miller and they're going to leave Bradley Chubb one-on-one with whoever their right tackle is. That's going to be fantastic. So again, my two favorites to win NFL Rookie of the Year, Calvin Ridley or Bradley Chubb. All right, guys, that is all I have. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are fantastic. You're amazing. I'm so excited to watch so much college football tomorrow. It is 11.29 p.m. It's a horribly busy week of school. And uh, I'm so excited to share this with you guys. So remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow this show by telling your friends about it. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will talk to you guys again on Monday. We'll recap College Football Week 1. I'm so excited. And uh, I just hope you guys have a great weekend. I'm going to drink a bunch of beer. I have, I have no schoolwork. I'm all caught up in school now till Thursday. So excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink. I'm recording a music video tomorrow. And I'm going to watch a ton, a ton of football. I'm so excited. So I'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great day. But um bum bam We are done.